Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My boyfriend and I recently bought a trailer in the middle of nowhere. We are pretty far from civilization, and there's not much work in the city we live. It costs a solid $50 in gas round trip to go into town, so needless to say we like to plan accordingly and get all our errands done in one day. Grocery shopping, laundry, etc. What happens from this point I most certainly realize has a ton of red flags, however in the moment all in can do is question my own personal sanity. Like I can't even believe I am experiencing this. I find an ad in the domestic section of Craigslist. A couple claims they are getting ready to move and need help watching their newborn baby. May need to do some lighthouse keeping while the baby is asleep. Please include a picture of yourself in the responding email. I go back and forth with the lady and we decide to meet at 12 p.m. the following day. That morning I am texting with her and let her know I'm running about 15 minutes behind. It was towards the end of the month and I had exceeded my data amount and could not MapQuest the directions and we had become lost. 
I went into an apartment complex's office and asked if they would be so kind to please print the directions for me. I had left my phone in the car, and while inside the lady had called to give me directions, I had texted her to let her know I'm lost. My boyfriend answered the phone, and she became frazzled, saying to please hold that she was backing out her truck right then. Prior to this conversation, I had told her that I would prefer to arrive when she was home. She then told me that she was home now, but now she isn't, and is backing out truck. Didn't make a lot of sense, however, my boyfriend told her I'd be there shortly. I asked him to please walk me to the door. Upon getting to the house, the entire perimeter of their home had about six cameras in all directions. There was a huge storage container on the street. The car in the driveway had a hand-typed sign on window that said baby in car. Then the car parked in front of the house on street had a young pretty Mexican girl, couldn't have been more than 20 years old, passed out with her mouth open and drooling, windows hardly cracked in the middle of summer. To paint the picture, my boyfriend has some visible tattoos, tall white man, heart of gold, but could appear intimidating. We knocked on the door several times for a few minutes and didn't get an answer. I call the lady and she says, oh, just keep knocking, he's home. He finally answers the door and the hair on the back of my neck raised. He is very creepy looking and speaks in a thick Russian accent saying, no, never mind, we called someone else. I responded, I just spoke to your wife, I don't understand and he just repeats himself. My boyfriend gets upset and says we drove very far to meet you. Do you have gas money for our time? This man doesn't open the door more than six inches during this entire conversation. He then closes the door and locks it, goes to get $20 for us, quickly sticks his hand through the door and we leave. As we are walking out, we both look at the girl again, not moved at all, comment how weird this was, and take off. I call the wife's phone back, which is an out-of-state Google Voice phone number. She never answered nor returned any of my text messages. I called my mother to let her know what happened, and she insists that we call the police for a welfare check. We did just that. Needless to say, I'm a lot more cautious while looking for online gigs, and about a week later, I'm looking on the same Craigslist section. Craigslist typically will show a map to the major cross streets for where the gig is taking place. This particular area is mainly a college town and only has very few suburban homes, mainly retired couples. Sure enough, they posted another ad, same cross streets and request for picture, except a little different gig. This time it was for an in-home dog sitter. I totally feel I dodged a major bullet. Please be careful, everyone. Last summer I was in a really bad place. I had just moved back to my hometown only to have my original plans for everything including living arrangements fall through. I had no job and with an art degree an impossibly hard time finding one. I was struggling and often didn't have enough money to eat or take the bus. I have a chronic stomach issue that leaves me bedridden sometimes and I was having a flare up and stuck at a friend's house. I missed my bus the night before and slept at her house. She left for work at 4 a.m., so I stayed at her place until the morning, but didn't realize the buses don't run in that neighborhood on weekends. I had already locked myself out of her apartment, so I had about a seven-mile walk home, but it was over 100 degrees, and I was sick to my stomach. In a moment of desperation, I made a public post on a blog I had at the time linking my Venmo and asking for a few bucks to get an Uber home. 
Not even an hour after I made the post, I got $100 out of nowhere on Venmo from a photographer that was actually texting me the day before about a possible shoot. I am very short, so I'll never have a very successful modeling career, but I have worked with a few smaller clothing companies. Whenever I'm strapped for cash, oftentimes I can get $100 here or they're taking on small modeling gigs. Nothing ever weird lol, just Etsy shops and independent clothing companies and stuff. I hadn't answered his messages because there was already something weird. He emailed me responding to me posting on Craigslist asking for general day work, like helping to set up for an event or handing out flyers. He said he recognized my email from the modeling website Model Mayhem. I have not been active on there since 2015 when I was 20. He remembered my email from a modeling profile on an account I haven't touched for five years. I am by no means a famous or well-known face. Along with the money there was a message about just wanting to help me, and he can stay a kind stranger if I'm still not interested in working with him. I immediately felt guilty and like I'd misjudged him, so I responded thanking him and told him I would be willing to model for his store. He owned an online vintage clothing line that was successful on Etsy. He asked me to come to the studio for a shoot the next day in the evening which worried me, but he said he knew I had a long bus trip ahead of me. The shoot was super weird, he had me pick what I was going to model, and it was all unsorted bulk vintage stuff in a huge bin. Most of it was unwearable. When he photographed me in each outfit, he was not concerned with getting good product shots and just trying to make me smile to boost my confidence. By the end of it was, he was saying weird shit, like telling me what a perfect, pure human being I was. He ordered me an Uber home and later Venmoed me for the shoot. He totally overpaid me. The photos were never used and the clothes were never listed, but he sent me tons of the photos with captions about how nice he thought my smile was. He texted me again the next day saying that he was sad to hear about what a hard time I'd been having and told me if I ever was short on money to come by the warehouse where all the clothes and everything were and he'd pay me to do some typing. He would take the measurements on clothes that were going to be listed and I was entering them into Excel as he read them out loud. We'd do this for a couple hours and then I'd go home. But every single time he would say weirder things, always just over-complimenting me and projecting this weird pure virgin persona onto me. He started obsessing over my laugh and smile specifically. One time he asked me to come in to type, and it was actually a trick to go on a surprise outing for my birthday. I had told him before I showed up that I was really sick and weak that day. When I realized there was actually no work for me to do, and that he was taking me to an expensive dinner I felt horrible. I tried to go and smile through it, but I was in a lot of pain and just wanted to go home. After the restaurant I started to walk towards the train station, but then he told me there was one more thing we had to do. We walked into an arcade bar, and he got about $20 worth of quarters and dragged me around insisting that we had to use all the quarters. He kept saying stuff like, I'm sorry you're in such horrible pain. I can tell you feel awful, I feel so selfish for making you do this, but then making me stay longer. I finally got to go home, but I really needed the money for typing that day, and instead I got home in a ton of pain and out a few dollars in bus money. I know at this point it seems like there's no way I couldn't see his creepy feelings for me, but I'm 25 and this guy was almost 40 and constantly insisting that he was just here to help as a friend and not expecting anything in return. 
I was in such a bad position that I had to ignore a lot of the weirdness and didn't see any danger yet. The next time he had me type stuff out he offered me an official job in the warehouse. I jumped on this because I'd been applying to jobs for months with no luck and was even more desperate. He immediately was hurt by me accepting the offer, saying if I worked for him he'd have to be less friendly with me because we'd be working with other employees in the room. This of course made me very happy. He decided that meant I cared more about making money than our friendship. It turned into about an hour of me sitting there while he said unfortunately exact phrasing that I was his personal Jesus and he was looking to me to restore his faith in humanity. When I started working he would constantly separate me from the two other girls that I worked in the warehouse with. When we were away from them he told me horribly personal things about them that I knew they wouldn't want shared and he made stuff up about them to try and get me to not like them and not want to spend time with them. He was constantly comparing me to them, always referring to them as jackals and that I'm good and they're bad. He had some really concerning feelings about all of the women in his life. He also specifically had a thing for small brown girls. Me and the two other girls I worked with had very similar looks and all his exes looked creepily similar to us. All the models on the site as well. He would tell me wildly inappropriate stories all day, and every time we worked together it was just him inching closer to me and me squirming away to the point where we'd wind up across the room, because he kept moving closer and I kept backing up. He'd complain that it seemed like he disgusted me. I started hating and dreading coming in to deal with him so much that I could no longer fake a good mood. He would interrogate me about why I wasn't smiling or giggling or bubbly like literally interrogate me to the point where no work would get done because he'd be trying to force me to act happy and then trying to do things to make me happier like buying me a coffee that I didn't want. The final straw came after working for him for maybe three weeks. We often had to move clothes on racks between the studio and the warehouse for shoots. While we were walking down the street with the clothes he started asking me if I'd ever heard of incels. I tried to avoid any topic that can be led back to sex with him, so I just said that I didn't want to think about that at the moment. He started to get upset. I elaborated that I knew someone killed in the Uke Santa Barbara shooting, and that it wasn't an easy topic for me. That wasn't enough for him either. He started to get worked up. After we got to the warehouse, he tried to pull me away from my work to take me out for a coffee, just me and him even though the other co-workers were there. I told him no thanks and he tried to quietly say it was so we could talk. I knew this meant he wanted to pull me away from them to privately interrogate me about why I wasn't smiling and why I wouldn't talk about incels with him. I played dumb and said in my cheeriest voice, can't we talk here? I think in that moment he realized I was onto his shit. He just said okay, while nodding his head in the most dejected way and walking out to get coffee on his own. Later on I was supposed to be sorting clothes onto a rack by myself for a shoot the next day while he worked on a shoot in the studio with the two other employees. I decided I was going to quit in that moment. I waited for them to all be gone, did the job quickly he Venmoed me at the end of every day for my hours instead of actually having me on payroll. He lied and said he was enrolling me but had no intention of ever doing it and texted him that I was leaving five minutes early for my bus. He usually paid me as I was walking to the train. This time it took hours for him to send, and it was only half of what he usually paid me. He literally punished me by paying me less. 
As soon as he paid me, I texted him explaining that his behavior was getting more and more frightening and that I didn't feel safe working with him. I told him I quit and to not attempt to contact me. He began calling immediately. I blocked him and I got calls from different phone numbers over and over throughout the next day that wouldn't stop no matter how many of them I blocked. A couple weeks later I got a bunch of comments from a throwaway account on my Instagram pictures calling me evil and saying a bunch of weird personal things. I could tell it was him. I also never noticed he'd left voicemails because the way my old phone was set up was stupid, but when I switched phones I realized he'd completely filled my box up. I listened to a few, and they were so scary. One of them was him singing, just a nice guy, just a normal guy, for about four minutes straight. Another was him singing about how I'm evil. Some were just incoherent rambling and ranting and crying. Now I have a new number, and all of my social media is on complete lockdown. This guy boasts about holding grudges for years, so I expect him to obsess and attempt to mess with me for a very long time. For the last few days I've been home alone, completely alone in an empty apartment. A few weeks ago, my boyfriend got a great job offer out of state. We've been wanted to move out of Florida for a quite a long time, so when he got the offer, we didn't hesitate to pack up and head out of town, even with a full month of rent paid at our current apartment. With a quick move, I didn't have a chance to say goodbye to several good friends and figured since the rent was paid, I'd come back myself and spend a couple of weeks. My job allows me to work remote or from their Florida office, so even though my apartment is empty, no cable or internet, I still had a place to work. When I said the apartment was empty, it wasn't completely true. I had a large piece of furniture I decided to sell rather than move and posted it on Craigslist. This is where I think I made a big mistake. I posted my address. Granted, my address wasn't up long the furniture sold that same day. But since I posted the ad yesterday, weird things have been happening. The first thing that happened didn't seem that strange at first. Thing is, I have a cat, so I'm used to noises coming from all over, and almost every time it's the cat being, well, a cat. He's the type that likes to knock things on the ground for fun. Oh, you were drinking that? Yep, no remorse. So when I was laying on my air mattress reading God and heard a bunch of commotion from the kitchen, I just thought, oh, there he goes again and went back to reading. Until I remembered the cat isn't even here. We took him to our new place. So I awkwardly rolled off the air mattress, why is it so difficult to get up off these things, and went to the kitchen to investigate. A few red Solo cups that had previously been on the kitchen counter were on the ground. I looked around and the only thing I could figure is that the fan was on and it had blown them off. At least that's what I told myself in order to get to sleep. The truth is those cups had been sitting on the counter the whole day and the fan was on. Why did they just fall to the ground now? I put it out of my head and turned the lights out and read my Kindle a bit more before falling asleep. I woke up at 3 a.m. to a rattling or jingling sound, like someone was shaking a jar of Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Pennies or maybe a set of janitor's keys. I'd never heard a sound like this before nothing even slightly close. It seemed like it was coming more from outside the apartment, but it was still really loud. As soon as I got out of bed, the noise stopped. I turned on every light in the house but couldn't find the source. So I went back to bed with all the lights on. It was comforting having all the lights on and I slipped into a deep sleep almost immediately. When I woke up this morning, I didn't realize until I flipped on the light switch in the bathroom that every light in the house was off. No one has ever told me I sleepwalk, but I couldn't think of any other reason the lights were turned off. The front door is locked by a deadbolt and a regular door lock. I shook it off and got ready for work. When I had showered and gotten dressed, I grabbed my purse to leave, but I couldn't find my keys. Because I hate searching for my keys in the mess I call a purse, I keep them on a carabiner and clip them to my bag. It's such a habit I clip them to my bag without even thinking about it. When I didn't find them on my purse, I figured there's always a chance. I don't know that I put them in the freezer with the groceries I brought home or put them on the kitchen counter by mistake. But I looked everywhere and nothing. They weren't in the freezer, fridge, microwave, counters, bathroom, or anywhere else. Then I remembered the jingling sound I heard in the middle of the night. I went to look, even though it was nearly impossible for them to be outside the only way is if they had fallen out of my bag on my way in the house. And I needed them to get into the house so would have missed them last night, not now. I went outside and there were my keys lying on welcome mat outside my front door, covered in something red, like blood or something that looks awfully similar. That's when I knew I might have made a big mistake posting my address on Craigslist. I'll see what happens tonight and post an update if anyone's interested. I received a beautiful four-poster bed from my grandparents when they passed away. It had intricate carvings and a dark reddish-brown color. However, my apartment was small, and the bed took up too much space, so I decided to sell it. I posted an ad on Craigslist after researching its potential value. A few days later, a young couple interested in the old-fashioned style and dark wood contacted me. They offered a good price, and we arranged for them to see the bed in person. Upon inspection, they liked it even more and gave me a cashier's check for the full amount. Despite the sentimental value, I let go of the bed, trusting the couple would appreciate it. On the scheduled pickup day, they arrived with a truck, and we worked together to load the heavy bed. Afterward, I felt a sense of closure, but later received a message from the couple. They were struggling to assemble the bed, specifically with one post that was loose. Despite my initial assistance, they reached out again, claiming the bed was moving and vibrating on its own. Feeling uneasy about their requests, I visited their home again. I discovered the issue was simply loose bolts and tightened them. However, their subsequent messages raised suspicions, and I chose to ignore them. The guy persisted with demanding and annoyed texts, prompting me to block his number. That evening, I heard knocking at my door around midnight, and to my surprise, it was the same guy. I became alarmed and called the police, fearing for my safety. The police arrived and, after questioning us, concluded it was a personal dispute. The couple accused me of selling a broken bed, 
but the police advised them to pursue legal action if they believed it was a scam. I never discovered their true intentions, but the incident taught me to be cautious with strangers and trust my instincts. I'm 43 years old, married for 15 years, and my sex life is terrible. For the sake of the internet, my name will be Jean. My husband, Casey, works in finance. I met him at my sister's engagement party, and he happened to be one of the groomsmen. He asked me if I wanted to see the latest Guy Ritchie film with him, and I love all Guy Ritchie films, so I said yes. We had sex on our second date, and it was terrible, and he was oblivious. Lots of guys are terrible at sex. I liked being around him, and he made me feel good about myself, so I stayed with him, thinking he'd eventually get good at it, even though he definitely wasn't equipped with the largest package I'd ever seen. For a while, the sex was okay, but after we were married, Casey became progressively lazy, and now he's very proud of his teddy bear bod, which is more or less a shorter hairier Homer Simpson. Casey used to be an amateur swimmer with a wicked six-pack. He stopped swimming several years ago, reasoning that our sex life was good enough exercise to keep him in shape. He's fat and bald, we have three kids, and I haven't experienced a coital orgasm since I was 24 years old, very close to half my life ago. His personality is great, he gets invited to exciting work parties that are always fun, but he always wants to leave early so he can bang me. Only he rolls his keg of a belly over me for three minutes and passes out in a sweaty heap. I've tried being on top, on my knees, and other things I won't write about here. Nothing works. Sometimes I'll be able to bring myself close to climax through my own movements, but then he comes and immediately exits me and my evening is ruined. So I put an ad on Craigslist and lied about my age. Bored 39-year-old wants a one-night stand with a seven-inch stallion and fairly flattering pictures of my ass and tits. Dudes don't care a whole lot about perfection when they know they're going to get laid without repercussions. My fake email flooded with replies, and I eventually found one that was what I was looking for. I think I understand your situation, and you can count on me to be discreet. We met at a coffee shop several miles out of town. For the sake of this hookup, his name was Darl, but I didn't believe him and didn't care. For the sake of the hookup, my name was Carla. He was dreamy and slightly younger than my real age. We had nothing in common, but he assured me that he was seven inches hard and that he would rock my world. We went to his clean apartment and I psyched myself up for a good pounding. My heart was racing, my arms were both tingling, and I was all like, I'm actually going to come and it's going to be awesome. I hadn't been this wet since my disappointing wedding night. I love my husband very, very much, but you have to understand, he's really, really bad at sex. I've never told him that, of course, but I've lost count of the number of times I've told him outright. I need to try something different. He's never interested. He actually thinks I get my orgasms from lying on my back for three minutes while he pumps his pelvis into me with the gusto of a masturbating teenager. So, Darl led the way to his bedroom and asked if I'd like to first admire his collection of hunting knives. They really complete him, and anyone who wants to be with him has to appreciate them for what they are and what they represent. I was young once and knew some weird dudes, so I wasn't that phased. I was more impatient to come than anything. One enjoyable indulgence, and then I could go back home, and if it worked out, 
maybe try it with another guy. Or maybe I would learn something here that I could teach to Casey to make him better at sex. I got this one from an artisan in Mexico, said Darrell, who had taken off his shirt. He handed me what looked like a boring knife that I really didn't care about. Fascinating, I cajoled, and I put it back in its case, and I removed my skirt, showing off a cute pair of black lace panties that, dare I say, would have rocked my ass when I was thirty. Turn around, said Darrell. Casey never ever told me to turn around. I did as I was told. My, what a lovely ass you have, said Darrell. Casey never complimented my body. Darrell had been at least three body lengths away from me, but with silent speed, he had traveled our gap and spanked me savagely on my left cheek. Casey had never spanked me, even when I asked him to. Darrell, I said nervously, I have a secretary boss fantasy, where I get punished for dropping all the pens. Carla, you read my mind, said Darrell. Let me just get one thing. So I sat impatiently on his bed while he left the room to get the one thing. I'm not a monster. I love my husband and our children. Little voices whispered in my head to stop this infidelity, but there was no way I was leaving without an orgasm. I had been patient for far too long. Darrell returned to the bedroom, wearing rubber gloves. What for I couldn't possibly have imagined until he grabbed his Mexican artisan knife and stabbed himself repeatedly in the stomach, yelling, I hate Eugene, before slashing the glove off his left and tearing off the other with his right hand and dying the floor, blood spilling from more than a dozen slashes and stab holes. I would love to have stopped him, but I was frozen shocked and the thought of actually moving my body to save him completely escaped me. So here I was, the only witness to an S where the victim had worn gloves while using a weapon that had my fingerprints on them as he yelled my real name. If I had tried to stop him, would he have stabbed me? I phoned the police immediately. They showed up in ten minutes and asked me what happened. I was humiliated and filled with shame. I obviously had never intended to get caught cheating, and here I was, explaining to complete strangers that I was cheating on my husband with a stranger I'd met on the internet while a million emotions swam through my traumatized mind as I cried. Most of the cops I dealt with were men, and they were all wearing wedding rings. They made little effort to hide their judgment of me, and I didn't blame them. I wanted to go home and snuggle with Casey. I wanted to go back in time and never place that stupid ad in the first place. Despite my sexual unfulfillment, I had never been truly unhappy with my life. I had been so ungrateful. Where does your husband think you are right now? Was the only question that resounded within, amidst the dozens of other questions involving a man who had stabbed himself in front of me. Casey was on a business trip, earning money for his family, like a good husband is wont to do. Casey's out of the country and doesn't know where I am, I replied. And your children, asked the detective. My sweet babies. I couldn't bear the shame they would feel if they ever found out about this they would never have forgiven me. They're at our house, and I told them I was helping a co-worker put together boxes to facilitate a move, I answered. Had you ever met this man before? A detective asked me. Not until tonight, I answered, still wondering how the hell Darl had known my real name. His real name was Ivan Charon, said the detective, and a wave of shock hit me as my final year of high school flashed before my eyes. Ivan Charon had had an insane crush on me, but he was 14 while I was 18 and I had zero interest in him. 
He was awkward and kept trying to impress me by telling me how hard his life was and how different he was than everyone else. From what he told me, it was more like complaining than anything else. He had a supportive family and equally weird friends who were into the same weird things. I wasn't a cool kid in school or anything, but I definitely thought I was too cool for Ivan. We had nothing in common, and he was always telling me that I would be a better person if I shared his interests in poorly written fantasy novels and atonal soundscapes. He asked me out more than ten times until I agreed to go out with him, with the intent of being lame on purpose so that he might lose interest in me. On the night of our date, I changed my mind and phoned his house, only he wasn't there, so I stood him up completely. The next day at school, I told him that I just wasn't interested and asked him to never talk to me again. It was high school. I'm not proud of it how I treated him. I had no idea I had affected him this much. Had he been thinking of me while I was in university? Was he hung up on me this whole time I was in a frustrating marriage, living my entire adult life with nothing to do with him? Was it fate that made him reply to that Craigslist ad? How could he have known it was me? He had looked so handsome and capable of interesting things. Had we ever crossed paths on the street? Had he ever recognized me? Why did he waste his life thinking of someone who never bothered to think of him? Keep your phone on you, one of the detectives said to me, a few hours later, at a police station where the coffee was terrible, and I wasn't allowed to smoke any cigarettes. They made it clear that I wasn't under arrest, but that I had to stay in the city until told otherwise. For the next few weeks, I was the only suspect in his death, as my fingerprints were all over the weapon, but they eventually decided I was innocent and ruled Ivan's death as an S. Casey never found out, but I'll never forget how I nearly fainted when Casey said casually one morning, Ivan Charon killed himself. He was in high school with your sister. Did you know him? Not really, I answered casually, hoping to never speak of the matter again. A great sex life would be wonderful, but for the moment, I'll be thankful for what I've got. I won't place another ad anywhere for anything. Casey is wonderful, our kids are wonderful, and I will never do anything again that could jeopardize the life we have together. I just hope Casey gets better at sex, but with my luck, he'll just go impotent. About four years ago, one of my longtime friends on DeviantArt sent me an urgent message telling me to check out a profile of a user I'll call ClownsBeClowning to protect his identity. The creepy thing about this DeviantArt profile was that it was basically a shrine to me. It had details about my life on it that only people who knew me personally or had been following the journals on my various websites would be aware of. I read through this guy's personal journal on the profile section of his page, and let's just say there was some disturbing stuff posted on it. There were hundreds of pictures of me where he got them. I have no idea as I only let close friends view my pictures on my personal Facebook page, and underneath the pictures he would list creepy things like, I'm always watching you, and I want to wear your skin. He also would post links to my writing, art, and music websites, and tell people to watch me because I was an angel, was perfect, and everyone should be like me. I was basically a religion to this guy that he was even going so far as to try to convert people to. It is one of the strangest things I have ever encountered, and I was terrified when I read everything though. I told my mom about the DeviantArt user, and she told me that we should report it to the police, so we went to the station to give an official statement. 
the police turned out to be pretty useless, stating that we should take our issue to the website administrators, basically the DeviantArt staff, and have them resolve the issue from their end. So I contacted one of the admins on DeviantArt who was so freaked out by the profile, they literally responded to my message the next day, telling me they had deleted the profile as soon as they saw it. Anyone who uses DeviantArt is aware that the staff usually takes a week or so to get back to you about an issue, so that just gives you an idea of what a freak this user was. The staff member told me to also report the user to the police, which I said I had with no results. So they took the extra step and banned the user's IP, and even checked to see if he had made any shadow accounts on the site. They deleted everything related to this guy, but I still have a print out of what I took to the police which I keep filed with the police report. I don't know who that guy was, but I hope that I will never have to find a creepy page like that on DeviantArt, or any other site for that matter, ever again.